Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. Today we're going to share Tommy's near death experience from the Near Death Experience Research Foundation website. Tommy says, I was a machine operator in a factory. The control for the machine was handheld and had a short circuit, and I became the ground. When the electricity hit me, I remember seeing colors that appeared to be liquid and filled the entire room. It was similar to being underwater and looking at objects on the bottom. The colors seemed to slowly bend and flow, but never mixing to form new colors. Slowly, everything faded to darkness. I then had the sensation of forward motion, yet I could not see anything. A small point of light appeared up ahead, and as I got closer, it became bigger, brighter, and warmer. Not uncomfortably warm, but a sense of belonging and love. Peace overwhelmed me, and I knew no fear. The light seemed to be coming from the far end of the tunnel of a tunnel, and I went toward it. When I exited the other end of the tunnel, I was standing in a grassy field that had low, gentle, gently rolling hills. There were a few large oak trees and flowering bushes. I realized I was standing on a narrow and sandy path and started walking along it. I don't know where I was going, but felt compelled to follow it. I felt like I was home and had lived there for a very long time. The path led over a small rolling hill, and when I got to the top, I could see the path led to a small white bridge that crossed a small creek in the valley. I wish I could describe the vividness of the colors of the grass, flowers, sky, and even the clarity of the water in the creek. It was like crystal. This is why I don't tell very many people. They can't comprehend, and I can't explain. I followed the path uh, toward the bridge. It was a wooden bridge about 10 feet long and 4 or 5 feet wide. It had a wooden handrail on each side. As I got to about 50 feet from the bridge, I noticed a figure dressed in brilliant white walking on the path on the other side of the bridge coming toward me. Just as I got to the end of the bridge, the figure was about 10 feet from the other end of the bridge, and he stopped and looked up at me. It was my grandfather who died in 1966. I felt such warmth and peace, and I never wanted to leave, and started to go to him because I was so happy to see him again. When he turned and walked away, I stepped onto the bridge and hit an invisible barrier and could go no further. I don't remember saying allowed the words i was it was more like i was i just had the thought but i told my grandfather to help me and to not leave me he stopped turned and looked at me and communicated that i couldn't come just yet that they weren't ready for me i had to go back and take care of my family he just wanted me to know that when i did come back that he would be there waiting for me Suddenly something caught the back of my body, and I was pulled back rapidly backwards and back through the tunnel. Everything became cold as soon as the light went out. I suddenly was on the emergency room table with several faces looking on me.
I can't describe the feeling of letdown and disappointment I felt. Because of my accident, I had, I had to have all my real teeth pulled and have worn dentures since I was 20 years since I was 20 years old. I had no other complications from my experience. That's the end of Tommy's experience. That's an interesting aspect to near-death experiences, and this is something that is unique to near-death experiences as opposed to actual death experiences, is that they don't usually have a happy ending. <laughs> Sometimes they do when the person comes back and starts making a difference in people's lives and they and they feel that their life is worthwhile and it you know takes on new meaning. But usually these stories, they end right after the experience in pain and suffering and uh, disappointment or or at least depression of some kind based on the fact that they've that they've left that joyful uh, light behind even if they chose to come back but uh, and and that's unfortunate but the gift that they bring us of telling us about the other side is invaluable I mean there's just no question about that there's there's no way around the fact that this is incredibly beautiful information. So I'm uh, I'm drawn to the landscape aspect of this experience. I love the landscape experiences as well as the you know transcendental experiences where it's like all encompassing you know and so forth. But this is a little bit more relatable sometimes to hear of the landscapes that uh, people come across. And in this one, Tommy goes through a tunnel and at the end of the tunnel he's standing in a grassy field that had low gently rolling hills and there are a few large oak trees and flowering bushes now i'm interested to know whether he knew these were oak trees or whether they just looked generally the shape and size of oak trees I, not that it matters i mean i mean the different species and things that people experience on the other side there's no doubt that there's oak trees. It's just, as someone who's interested in plants and horticulture and so forth, I I find it interesting if people are able to identify plants on the other side. And if there's plants that they can't identify. And even if they come back and can't identify. I have heard of experiences like that. Flowers that people say there aren't flowers like that here. But they also see very distinctive flowers like roses and and so forth like that. So, um, anyway, he says he also saw flowering bushes that uh, he was standing on a narrow sandy path and started walking along it. And because of the barrier aspect of this, there's a path, there is a bridge, and there is a barrier, something that it sounds almost like a force field, just something he can't go past. And I don't know if it's just that he's unable to you know, like his efforts to walk just don't yield any any <laughs> um, effect, or if it's that there's like a, a glass wall of some kind, it, it doesn't say. It just says that there's some invisible barrier that he can't cross. That is very common with near-death experiences, as we've talked about, probably one of the most common things, some kind of invisible barrier, or, or visible barrier for that matter, something where it says you can't cross this point, be it a bridge like this, be it, uh, or, or a barrier like this, be it a, you know, sometimes it's as simple as if I look in his face, that is a point of no return. And so 
you know, I avoided looking at his face or, or, you know, there's this cloud and I knew if I passed through this cloud, then, you know, or if I knew if I got off of the boat or whatever, this seems to be very common. Now I am interested and I'm also fascinated by people's descriptions of their surroundings in situations that are clearly very metaphoric, if you will. So clearly there is a barrier. Now, the, uh, the obviousness is, you know, the obvious thing is if they cross this barrier, if they could cross this barrier, they wouldn't be able to return. And yet this barrier is here. Now, why is it that it's not a force field for everyone? Why is it that it's not a cloud for everyone? You know, is this technology that's holding them back? Is it some kind of psychological um, recognition of, you know, it, is is this barrier an actual, I, I hesitate to say physical, but is it an actual boundary or is it a symbolic crossing into the other side? And I, I think the answer seems to be Yes, it's both. I mean, you know, there's so much about the spirit world that seems to be symbolic and yet real. So, you know, we we look at, we you know, sometimes people will see symbolic things such as a lamb or they will see, you know, stars or, or things that have meaning to them as a symbol of something. And they say, I recognize from this that, that the important thing for me to know was X. And and then they described something that they recognized from what they were seeing. And it's not that those things that they were seeing were not really there, that it was some kind of video, although people see video type things too, holograms and, and different things like that. But um, it's not that the things that they're seeing aren't real, but it's that they are both metaphorical or metaphoric and real. So there seems to be more reality to the metaphor in the spirit world than there ever is here. You know, it, it's kind of like if I were to, you know, look out in my yard and see the little road that leads up to it and look at it and say, this is a message for me. This is telling me that the most important paths in my life lead to home that they lead to the place where my family dwells, that I need to focus on my family, and that, I, and that that's the important thing in my life. I could draw that message out of seeing my actual driveway, actual see, seeing the road that leads up toward my house. You know, you could look out in your yard and see the trees blooming um, in the springtime and say, this is a, clearly a message for me that a new life is about to start for me that that i am i am to begin anew the life that god has set out for me i could do that but what we're doing in that case is that we're taking something real and we're finding a metaphoric or a, a metaphor for a message for ourselves okay in the spirit world example the two are equally real. You know what I'm saying? So I could, you know, 
think about my life in another, this is a separate example. I could think about in my life, okay, my life is like a train that is going around a track in circles, like a, you know, those, you know, toy trains. And, and it's as if I'm on this train and looping through the same experiences over and over, and I need to break free from the track. Okay. And then maybe I even, you know, get myself a toy train to remind myself I need to get off of the track of the mistakes I'm making in my life or whatever, okay? That is a situation where the metaphor is the real thing and then maybe there is a symbolic, you know, uh, an actual train that I get to symbolize that. In the first example of the street that leads up, it's a real situation that I make or discover a metaphor in. I think in the spirit world, these two happen simultaneously. And when you consider that time and space are not a factor, meaning that you could go anywhere, be anywhere for any amount of time, and it is fine. It's not a violation of any laws of physics or whatever. Um, because in the spirit world, those things just don't apply. They're just non-issues. So if you consider that there is metaphor and there is the actual, you know, literal thing that is there. And those two things can be intertwined in such a way as to make it so that, you know, when somebody goes to the other side, I mean, it could it could be a, a tunnel that they pass through. It could be like, like Tommy here. It could be a, uh, a bridge um, with a barrier and his grandfather on the other side. This is all beautiful symbolic stuff and a, an incredible metaphor. And yet he could have just as easily found himself standing before a, a, a white pearly gate that was closed to him that he couldn't pass through or, or a, a cement wall that was just beautiful, glorious white that he was unable to pass through. It could have been any number of barriers and yet it was this setting that he came to. My guess, and I don't know, but my guess is because God and spirits on the other side are so acquainted with our thoughts, feelings, experiences, memories, and so forth, they can easily have it be that when we reach the other side, we reach a situation, a place that is the perfect metaphor for us. So it's a literal place, it is real, it is part of our home, and yet it is the perfect metaphor for what we need to learn. I don't know. That's just a thought. But I think there's value to it because so many times you'll hear of things you're like, okay, that was a crazy weird thing that they saw. You know, somebody sees this strange dragon creature that is, you know, as if acting as if it's wanting to engulf them. And then as they're rushing toward this dragon, they pass right through it and onward, you know, as, and it's kind of laughing at them as they pass through that. So, you know, I'm, I'm giving that example because it's a real thing that somebody saw and it was terrifying to them, but they were rushing toward the light. It was standing between them and the light and they rushed right through it on their way toward the light. And it was terrifying. And yet they saw too, oh, I passed right through it. I'm safe. You know, they had kind of like braced themselves for the impact or being engulfed by this monster and they just passed through it as if it wasn't there. And 
you know, what's that? What's up with the dragon? Is there really a dragon? Well, I'm not sure there would actually have been a real creature that looks like that. But we see from other experiences that spirits, be they good or bad, can take on various forms. And if an evil spirit trying to scare or turn her away from the light was success, successful in making itself appear as this, you know, terrible fire-breathing dragon, well, it's no wonder that she was terrified, and yet it didn't work because she passed right through it and continued on. Could she have stopped and turned around and run the other way? I don't know. I don't know. Um, some people can control the direction of their travel in the tunnel. Some people can't. And my guess is that those that can just more often than not probably just actually make the effort and the others don't make the effort and don't know they could. Anyway, a little tangenty today, but um, but I think that's worth saying because of the diversity of the nature of the different kinds of things people see. Now, this is like a stereotypical, I mean, you know, the, the tunnel, the, uh, the nice path and, and beautiful rolling hills and so forth, seeing his grandpa. I mean, that is all stereotypical. And yet, it's still unique because I haven't heard this specific, you know, chain of, of things. I haven't heard of another experience where this was the exact thing they experienced. It's always more of, you know, I saw a grassy field and then and then there was a group of people and then another person, perhaps they're in a forest area and a beautiful house and then someone, you know, their long lost brother is there or to meet them, their late brother, whatever. And and so it's totally consistent with other experiences and yet totally unique at the same time. And that seems to always be the case with these near-death experiences. And that to me, is a testament to the likeliness of their reality. Because they are so unique, and yet they so meet the requirements or the, or the uh, common elements of the near-death experience. Anyway, if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can go to patreon.com slash ndecast and become a monthly uh, contributor. If you would like to contact the podcast, you, either to leave a comment, a question, or share your own experience, you can do that by going to Podcast at gmail.com. And also you can support the podcast by going to iTunes and leaving a review, um, maybe some comments. And I didn't realize this till recently, but you can leave more than one comment on there. So you share a comment now and you know, in another couple of months, share another comment, something like that. All of that action, all of that interaction with the iTunes feed tells iTunes that this is a, a podcast that people are engaging with and, and it helps their al- algorithms to bring it more toward the top of the list so that people can find it. And not that this is any kind of competition, but The way I see it, the more good we can put into the world, the better, and the more lives we can touch. So with that, thank you all of you again so much for listening.